a little excited on a number of points. And oh my, how did Andreoff not score? I think that went right through the net. I think it went underneath yeah. the frame. I think that's a goal. Yeah, I think this is going to be a goal for Andreoff. Side of the net. You're listening to Bernier All the Kings Men, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Kings. However, the views and opinions expressed are solely those of the host and other contributors. They do not necessarily represent those of the Los Angeles Kings. Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Welcome back, Kings fans. My name is Jesse Cohen. This is All the Kings Men. It's a bittersweet time of year, Kings fans. It's Frozen Fury weekend, but alas, it is the last Frozen Fury weekend. I know not all of you have had a chance to make it out to these events, so I'll try not to pour it on too thick, but we are truly saying goodbye to an incredible tradition, uh, one that we will all miss. There's going to be plenty of opportunities to watch Kings games in Las Vegas in the future, but moving forward with the new franchise, we'll always be guests in their house. Uh, Frozen Fury wasn't a road game, but it wasn't ever really a home game either. Uh, rather, it was more of a home away from home game. I'm looking forward to seeing as many of you as possible in Vegas this weekend. Feel free to say hello if you happen to see me, or as occasionally happens if you happen to hear me. Uh, we probably won't do a podcast from Vegas, but we're toying with the idea of doing some sort of live stream, either with Facebook Live or Periscope. So if you don't already, follow us now on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Periscope, Snapchat. The name is King's Men Podcast. That's one word, King's Men Podcast, across all platforms. Next week, we're going to get into the regular schedule of podcasts this season. That is going to be at least two new episodes every week on Tuesdays and Fridays with additional episodes for 50 Kings, Breaking News, Special Guests. That's at least two new episodes of All the King's Men, you guys. Every week, two new episodes. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, or any podcasting app that you use, and you will not miss an episode. It's free. It's easy. Subscribe now. Each new episode will also be available on LAKings.com in the news section, and you can find our archive at atkm.blueberry.com. That's atkm.blubrry.com. In today's episode, we welcome in a voice we haven't heard in far too long, <laughs> all the way from New York City, my friend and yours, the Royal Half. Joining me tonight, all the way from New York City, the Royal Half. How are you doing tonight, the Half? Hey, Jesse. I'm really excited to be the All the Kings Men podcast official Thomas Hickey and JF Bruby correspondent this season. <laughs> how how are Thomas and JF doing? <laughs> I mean, honestly, I don't know. I haven't made it to an Islanders uh, game yet. <laughs> oh, who goes to Brooklyn, please? I'm not a hipster. I'm <laughs> you, a New Yorker. I live on the island. You did go to a Rangers fan, though, if I'm not mistaken. Or a, a Rangers game, I should say. I went to a Rangers game with a Rangers fan. How was that? I was blast. I went to, I think, I think it might have been their first preseason game. Um, I've been to MSG before. Um but it was during the renovations of a couple years ago where it was just a nightmare. The mm -hmm. concourse was all like had the card or not cardboard, but like had plywood up everywhere. And it was like a packed uh, tunnel to go from one side of the building to the next. It's, it's much nicer. All the improvements uh, are really uh, impressive. I saw the sky deck or the sky bridge. I'm sorry, the chase sky bridge, <laughs> um, which is not – uh, well-liked, let's say, by the fans that sit up in the equivalent of the 300 seats at Madison Square Garden, um, but do seem like a, a a great way for someone to spend money on a, on a hockey game if you want to see it from 
the perspective of being in the catwalks of the uh, of the garden. But you know, look, Jesse, you more than anyone I know is a passionate hockey fan. But I I have to tell you, going to the first preseason game of the year, and mind you, this is a game where I where I believe it was the first night of the World Cup final. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, Lundqvist was eliminated, but he wasn't playing in this game. I have never seen so much passion and so many people yelling and throwing their hats down in disgust. Yeah, well, that's and, what I wanted and, to know about. And cursing out players that I ever have seen in my entire life at a than at a preseason, first preseason game of the year without any legitimate stars on both teams. Uh, than I than I saw when I went to the game last week. Yeah, I mean, my, my, I think my feelings about New York could best be summed up by the Simpsons episode where Homer finds out that his car is illegally parked at uh, World Trade Center Plaza. Um, so were they were the fans the the loud mouthed obnoxious monsters that we all expected them to be? It sounds like it. I mean, look, I'm I'm a California native, <laughs> and and <laughs> we. Uh, Stereotypes exist for a reason, Jesse, right? Because because they're based in some sort of... That is not the official position of all the King's men or the Los Angeles Kings. I just (laughs) want to get that out right now. (laughs) So, no, I mean, like, I'm from California. I'm pretty laid back. You know, I'm very casual. You give directions everywhere by way of four or five different freeways. Right. We put the in front of the freeways. Sure. Um, Our our friends to the north of California don't do that. So every individual... um, city and state and county mm-hmm. in this great nation of ours has, you know, has its quirks. Sure. New Yorkers, <laughs> I mean, they are very opinionated mm-hmm. and they have no problem uh, telling you what they think about you and the person <laughs> next to you and the person behind you. And, um, so, yeah, it's I, – I, yeah, and, and they're very uh, – colorful in their language um <laughs> you know you gotta remember that hockey is now that i'm a father um you know i'm probably a little bit more respectful of my language uh, at a family event like a hockey game um but i you know i have to tell you i, I got to i went with um frequent guests on this podcast um scotty hockey mm-hmm. and you know after the game he met up with all of his blogger friends and all of his season ticket friends and it i just had that kind of little bizarro world moment where it was the equivalent of like you know everyone that that's the beauty that's the beauty of season tickets you make friends with these people you you start relationships you get invited to birthday parties or bachelor parties or you know baby showers and and but you only see them from october to you know hopefully <laughs> deep in july uh, june every year so for me i've kind of been detached from the la kings for the last month since i'm out of town it was fun to see like the the East Coast uh, equivalent of you know all me- meeting up with all your friends at that first hockey game of the season, right? Oh, how was your summer? You know, it's almost like going back to school uh, in a sense. So it was fun to be a complete outsider and not know. You know, look, I know the players on the on the Rangers, but I didn't know the the eighteen rookies they had in the lineup that <laughs> night. I'm not that big of a Hartford Wolfpack fan, so I don't know you know who these guys are. But it was really fun to kind of. Uh, have that kind of hockey experience uh, for one night. Speaking of going back to school and, and reconnecting with, uh, let's say, your fan family, uh, this weekend is a Frozen Fury. It's going to be the last Frozen Fury. And I got to tell you the half, we are all, we're all super bummed that you're not going to be there. 
I listen, it, it, it just kind of hit me today. I'd, I'd kind of come to terms. Uh, I knew that I was going to be out of Los Angeles for Frozen Fury for a while, but I think it just, as I'm seeing on Twitter and I'm seeing people start kind of talking about, oh, where are people going to be this night? And, and, you know, this is the last practice before Frozen Fury. And, and I, yeah, I'm, I'm actually legitimately bummed that I'm not going to be there. As we've talked about ad nauseum on this podcast in the past, like Frozen Fury is one of the most unique hockey experiences and it's so great. And they're doing two games this year, which trust me, I don't think you went to that one year where they had two games. I missed that two year. Games, <laughs> it's two games too much, my friend. Like, please, Kings fans, pace yourself, okay? There's a, there's a Dodger game Saturday afternoon. Like, like be around for it, you know? Um, the, the two games are, are really intense. And, and of course I'm bummed to, to not, um, be able to see the, the new arena and kind of experience the, the, um, the, 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 the fond farewell for LA Kings presence in Vegas and then get a sneak peek of the, whatever adjective nights <laughs> they're going to be called uh, coming into the league. Yeah. Look, I got to say, as far as the two games goes, I'm, I'm already exhausted. Um, <laughs> no, I, I really don't think you had like, it really is. It is a lot like two nights in Vegas alone is a lot, right? Yeah. I, I have a 36 hour policy when it comes to Las Vegas. So <laughs> at, at, in previous, in previous, you know, frozen furies, we get in usually Friday night and I'm out of there like three o'clock Saturday morning. Like, it's like, <laughs> but two games is, is a lot, but uh, you know, it, it's, it's so blast and I, it's such a blast and I am super jealous of everyone and i might just you know turn off twitter this weekend while while all my friends and then everyone i i follow on on twitter is is having a blast in uh in las vegas well let's take a look back at some of the uh some of the older frozen furies i i mean i knew it but i didn't realize it's been 19 years it's like, crazy right that's nuts i mean frozen fury is old enough to vote <laughs> i suppose would be one way of looking at it um yeah I, so i was thinking Really? Like 19? Yeah, 1997 was the first one. That's not so. Right? I mean, I would have pegged it at like 13 or 14, which is still a tremendous amount. But yeah, almost 20 I, almost I, 20 years. I think 2010 was the first year that I went. And I remember because I, I think Indiana Matt and I went, just the two of us, the first year. And I remember coming home and being like, I can't believe I never went to that right. <laughs> before. Like, this was so much fun. So, wow, almost 20 years. That's that, Frozen Fury. Half around, my life. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, no, it's nuts. Um, any any particular memories that stand out to you? Oh, well, who could forget the pre- – no, it's a preseason game. Like, <laughs> you don't remember any of the hockey. Uh, I mean, I will say – here's my – and I've, uh, I apologize if I've said this before. You won't get this experience this year, but the – best thing in the world and i have it on my instagram and maybe i'll tweet it out once the podcast uh goes live but you know the mgm grand arena is an old it's a boxing arena and it's an older you know let's be honest it's a minor league arena for for hockey Mm -hmm. and the scoreboard is literally a um projection screen with a computer program on it and you can see the mouse clicking yeah. <laughs> on starting the clock and you can see it clicking when it's a adds a penalty and you can see it clicking when a goal scored. So, you know, you would look up and you could see this mouse kind of floating on the scoreboard. So I always kind of love like the lo-fi-ness um, of it. That's why I'm, I'm really curious to hear how your experience is going to be this year in, in the kind of um, hi-fi, you know, setting of the, of the T-Mobile center arena, wherever it's being called. So yeah, it's, it... I think, yeah, I think, that, but honestly, like the gauntlet, I mean, and, and the gauntlet was just so much fun and, mm-hmm. and 
I think my 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 favorite Frozen Fury memory is the pre Stanley Cup era. And I know it's hard to remember. And for some of our um, newer listeners, as Jesse might say, the Kings <laughs> once didn't have a Stanley Cup victory. Um, they, they, they once did not own two Stanley Cups. Um, so there was a time when when the crowning achievement was the preseason game in, in Las <laughs> Vegas. But um, the, the gauntlet was just this great area where all these Kings fans converged. And, and when you walk around Los Angeles now, you see Kings hats everywhere. People will say, hey, Kings, when they see my you know, the bumper sticker on a car. You, you didn't have that pre-2012. So Vegas was always that kind of way to kick off the year with like, oh, my God, I'm surrounded by Kings fans, which is a good and a bad thing. Let's be honest. All right. Let's be honest. Some of the some of the fans, you know, they're cutting a little bit loose in Las Vegas and you maybe don't want to be around them. But um, it was always just a great gathering. Um, I, I always have to think it's probably if I was like a, a insane clown posse fan, <laughs> like it's. How I would look forward to the Juggalo. The I, gathering I of the to, Kingalos. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would look forward to the Gauntlet probably the same way like an ICP uh, fan looks looks forward to, to the Juggalo. That's funny. Um, uh, do not Google that. If you don't get that reference, do not Google yeah. what I just said. This year's going to be fascinating because, as you say, it's in a new building. And the Gauntlet, right, formed as people were sort of milling around outside the entrance to the previous arena, which was attached to the MGM Grand. So yeah, well, it was a fire. It was a fire marshal's nightmare. Yeah, like, it, but I but mean, it was the only way to get in the arena was to go through the food court. But and that's but I think the fans went ton, right, tons of fans stayed at the MGM Grand, and even if you didn't stay there, you had to enter the building in order to get to the arena. And so you had all of these Kings fans in their gear, in an air conditioned, uh, closed environment, so it was easy to <laughs> to while away the hours. This year, I've not yet been to the new arena. I'm not sure many people have. I don't know that there's anywhere for a gauntlet to form. And and if there is, it, it may be outside. And frankly, the idea of a gauntlet in 100-degree weather is a lot less appealing than in an, air, I, I, an environment controlled. I, I'm looking to you, uh, members of, of the Royal Half and and Kings fans, to... to Find us that new gauntlet and cre- create that new gauntlet. Uh, I'm not a big fan my... of heat. <laughs> Actually, you know, it's funny. I didn't even think about that, that you have to be outside to walk into the arena now. That kind of does take away a lot of the, the advantages of it being at the MGM Grand where you, yeah, you didn't have to be. Um, I mean, it, it's fall here in New York, so it's it was beautiful today. <laughs> uh, sunny, crisp 67 degrees. But uh, for people that live in deserts like Los Angeles or Vegas, yeah, I can imagine that being uh, – being an issue. I mean, the only time I left uh, the MGM over the past two seasons of Frozen Fury games was to go to the Lazy River, which is the swimming pool. Um, other than that, I I never went outside from the from the day we <laughs> arrived to the day we left. Um, so this is going to be very fascinating. Uh, one of the mem- one of my most um, it's sort of a silly memory, but it's a perfect example of the kind of event it was. I was lucky enough to be there in 2005 when there was a problem with the glass and there was a delay of game. I don't know. It was probably three to five minutes. But during that period, Jeremy Roenick started dancing on the ice. Oh, the, the, <laughs> the, the one clip that makes every Jeremy Roenick L.A. King highlight reel. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think it's the entire uh, clip. Um, but yeah, so that that was one of those moments where you were like, oh, okay, that's even though Jeremy Roenick's tenure in LA was, you know, not great and had its ups and downs. And it was, you know, the season that, uh, that saw Dave Taylor fired and, and Dean Lombardi ultimately hired. 
But it was just a fun sort of moment that let you realize that whether you were bumping into the players in the elevator or seeing them at the blackjack tables or just out and about or watching Roenick dance on the ice, it was a really sort of fun way for fans to reconnect, see each other, right, in a way that you wouldn't in L.A. I mean, L.A. has grown leaps mm-hmm. and bounds as a hockey community, but you really – it was concentrated in Vegas, right? Everybody had a Kings jersey or a hat, and, you know, there wasn't any fighting about whether or not John Quick was elite or <laughs> who should make the team or be the captain. It was just a sort of a celebration once a year. Um, and I'm going to miss that. It, it was a lot of fun. Obviously, there'll be opportunities to see the Kings play in Vegas more now because the team will be there, but it won't be the same. I, I, I would say five to six times a year. There probably yeah. will be an opportunity. <laughs> yeah, but obviously it won't no, be the same. No, but that's the thing. It's, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the equivalent of your favorite band making it big, right? It's the right. equivalent of you know your favorite director starting to make multi hundred million dollar films, right? It's we had this cool little, you know, thing that was ours that was kind of lo-fi and 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 bespoke and and precious. <laughs> and and now it's, you know, it's a five hundred million dollar entry fee to to, yeah. to play to play hockey there. So, you know, enjoy it this weekend, Kings fans. I am I'm super jealous and and short of um me being able to to borrow um a certain someone who's very famously known in New York and its real estate for having their own plane uh, to be able to fly out to the game. I don't think that's going to happen. So, yeah, I mean, it'll be it'll be the little things about Leona Helmsley. Of course, Leona Helmsley. Naturally, yeah. uh, it'll be little things like the uh, the lion in the MGM lobby with the Kings jersey on it. That won't right, happen right. when the Kings wind up playing the Nighthawks or whatever the team winds up being named. So. Uh, we uh, look forward to seeing all of you Kings fans out in Frozen Fury the half. We're going to miss you, but uh, plenty of opportunities for us to watch hockey in Vegas together in the future. <laughs> now, the half, I copped to this on the podcast already, but since you were the one I was speaking to when I made the foolish prediction, I want to give you the opportunity to chastise me for suggesting that Team North America wouldn't win a single, or sorry, would struggle to win a single game in the World Cup. Uh, I mean, look, could I could I chastise you any more than me um, <laughs> that tweet uh, every time Team North America scored a goal in the tournament? I yeah, mean, thanks for come that. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I. I mean, look, there's really not much to be said. I called you out when you said it. I said it was dumb. <laughs> it continued to be dumb. You, you. I mean, it's it's. <laughs> It's the collection of the greatest players under 23 in the <laughs> NHL. Like, of course they were going to blow Finland away. Um, so, yeah, no, I think um, – yeah, I think World Cup Madness has kind of come and gone. So <laughs> I think I'm uh, I'm uh, I'm ready to move on to, to the regular season. And, Fair and enough. Waiting, I... <laughs> to, and waiting to make fun of some of your – you know, the, the, the Ducks aren't going to make the playoffs type predictions. I haven't made any of those predictions yet this year. <laughs> I still have plenty Just, of uh... – That's probably a smart thing. Well, you know, <laughs> every year I like to say one patently absurd thing. I guess the World Cup <laughs> prediction covers this season. If there's, um, if there's anything this presidential election has taught you is don't tweet out things that could be used as a a, a retweet <laughs> late in your, <laughs> your life you say something. So, well, I may just uh, take the the uh, the strategy of saying so many absurd things that you can't pin me down on any single one of them. Right, right. Uh, you, think uh, it's like, you think it's like experimental theater or something. It's so absurd. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so one of the things we're all looking forward to, you I think most of all, I've been fascinated by how excited you are about this fact. We're about to kick off uh, Andrzej Kopitar's first season as captain. Um, explain to me exactly why this is so exciting to you. You know, I think that for me, 
you know, it's so funny. You you want to talk about what nineteen years for um, Frozen Fury? Mm-hmm. I, I saw a stat the other day how this is the start of Dustin Brown's thirteenth season yeah. in the NHL. I mean, I, I remember, I remember the draft. I remember because of of you know, I, I have a special connection to Ithaca, New York. I remember being wow, this guy's from Ithaca. I remember seeing him skate in a few games as an eighteen year old. I remember the high ankle sprain. In his his first year, that kind of kept him from mm-hmm. from playing. So to think that thirteen years um, had passed is is not so. Um, I think I had kind of and, and again I I have no qualms with with Dustin Brown as as captain, and I don't think anyone really does. I think I just kind of committed myself to that I would never get to see Andre Kopitar skate with the captain as long as. You know, Dustin Brown was a member of the LA King. So it, mm-hmm. it's it, I think that's what's kind of caught me um, off guard because, you know, I just I love coaches' sons. And maybe it's because I was a coach's son. Um, and my dad definitely treated me differently than I think Andre Kopitar's dad has treated him in terms <laughs> of, of coaching philosophy. But I don't know. I just there's always something about like head coaches' sons and 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 they either end up being like Todd Marinovich level, like, like crazy, or they're like Andre Kopitar and especially seeing Kopitar, uh, at the world cup with team Europe and everything he did with that and Slovenia and the Olympics, you know, last year, just, he's just one of those guys that's born to be a leader. And, and again, you just, I just, I'm, I'm of the philosophy that it should be, yes, it's always great to have a character guy be your captain, but I just feel that your best all-around player should probably be your captain, and uh, I'm excited. And it really didn't hit me until the Kings tweeted out that um, 50th anniversary special jersey video, and and you know the big dramatic shot was was him wearing the C, and and uh, I'm I'm jealous that you'll see it at Frozen Fury, and I'm jealous that I won't be there on opening night to see it. Can I throw some numerology at you? Hit me up, man. Some some Kings numerology. Uh, Anze Kopitar selected in the uh, first round, but 11th overall in the first round of the 2005 uh, NHL draft. 11th overall. Like, who? Where's, <laughs> where's, Kopitar? Where's, oh, where's jersey number 11? Mm-hmm. And now in uh, his first season as captain, it is his 11th season with the Los Angeles Kings. Whoa. Is this, I mean, this honestly strikes me as the sort of thing that might actually mean a great deal to to an athlete, right? We see Crosby, you know, uh, 87 structured his deal so that he makes 8.7 million. Um, I can't remember the other ways that 87 winds wait, up. Wait, wait, wait. Is that like for real? That's like yeah. a thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think oh it's his God, current contract, the- but I think it was his last contract. Yeah. That is the lamest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. Like, that is so. Hockey players are so dumb sometimes. But, but <laughs> I think he makes something like 10, 10 inches. Nope, here it is. I'm looking at it right now. $8.7 million cap hit for Sidney Crosby on his current contract. I mean, is that his birth year? Is, is, is that uh, it, mu- it, must, it must be. <laughs> yeah, August 7th, 1987. Um, One of my favorite... And it's easy to kind of talk about the blog in in the in the past now, but one of my favorite all time posts on on the royal half dot com was um in two thousand eleven we had eleven 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 mm-hmm. right it was like the the once a Kopitar millennium now. I guess <laughs> yeah but again this was two thousand eleven so Kopitar was was a good player but wasn't you know the the right statue captain that he is so I did an article where I picked the top three best. And worst 11s in LA Kings history. Um, and Charlie Simmer. Sure. 
Mike Donnelly, mm-hmm. and Andre Kopitar made the top. Yeah, naturally. And the, the, <laughs> the the worst three elevens were uh, Brandon uh, Convery. I don't who, remember him at all. <laughs> who was a, a former eighth overall pick by the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh-huh. Uh, he had three games as an LA King with uh, no points. Um, there was Jason Blake. Jason Blake played 82 games I as an LA King Jason before Blake, sure. going on to uh, have some success as an Islander and a Maple Leaf. Uh, and then the all-time worst number 11 for the LA Kings, Anson Carter. 15 games as a King, yeah. one point. Probably the Biggest deadline deal bust. What did they lose? Thirteen uh, games in a row, or something like that. That. Yep. Yep. So, Ugh. the eleven has has a big significance. I, I I would believe. I know this is a favorite discussion of yours. I would believe this is the last time we'll see a player wear eleven for the LA Kings. Yeah. I can't imagine. Uh, you, know, you know, I would. Until, I would think so. <laughs> until they uh, unretire it for Andre Kopitar's newborn son, uh, that will. Um, battle it out with one of Dustin Brown's sons for the captainship in, in 2035 or something like that. Yeah, Jacob Kopitar, born, uh, what, yesterday, today? I can't... Uh, Hours ago, I think. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, just real quick to backtrack on Sidney Crosby. Uh, August <laughs> August 7th, by the way, 8-7 on your calendar. So 8-7, born, you know, 87. Uh, where's number Oh, 87? his birthday's 87. Is 87? In, in 1987, and August 7th oh, is the 7th okay. day of the 8th month, so it would be 8 Seven eighty-seven. Oh, okay. Where's number eighty-seven? His cap is number eighty-seven. Athletes are weird. Silly. No, no, it's ridiculous. I'm just curious. You know, we know, or I shouldn't say we know, but we heard that it was very important to uh, Andre Kopitar that he be I mean, captain you, this year. Could you imagine? Could you imagine the look on Dean Lombardi's face if, like, True Dowdy walked in there and was like, "I got to be paid eight point eight eight eight, you know, <laughs> Reggie dollars, you know, for for my contract." <laughs> I, th- I think he'd be making the same face as he makes at uh, Bob Miller on the, the Fox uh, Sports West upcoming uh, Coffee with Bob, if you haven't checked it out uh, it, yet. He may be, but uh, Drew Doughty born on December the 8th, so oh gosh. there's a little bit of that going in there. And I think, wasn't his cap hit $8 million a year? I don't know. Seven. I could, okay. <laughs> Good. <laughs> oh, not you too, Drew Doughty. So we've got uh, Captain... <laughs> Captain Kopitar, and I think you're right. I think it will be the last time we see anybody wearing uh, number 11. And it looks like it's entirely possible that skating on his wing, at least for the first few weeks of the season, might be Devin Setaguchi. Um, oh, you mean the guy that was drafted three spots ahead of Andre Kopitar yeah. in that <laughs> yes. aforementioned draft? That, yeah. that Gucci One and the I, same. Uh, I threw this out on Twitter uh, earlier, but, you know... Uh, Anyone that's going to be in Las Vegas this weekend, please follow uh, Devin Setaguchi uh, around very carefully and and watch where he makes his bets because he is the luckiest man in the world uh, right now. Yeah, not only is Gabrick injured, but uh, we find out today that Tanner Pearson is suspended for two regular season games and the rest of the preseason. For uh, how do you feel about that suspension? I haven't watched the the player safety video yet, but I, I just caught the the highlight. I mean, I, is it because the player was injured? Is that why we think he got the the, I, the two I think games? It, I think it must be. I mean, Tanner Pearson is not exactly a uh, a recidivist when it comes to hurting people. Uh, I can't remember the last time Tanner Pearson laid a, a body check. I mean, I, and don't get me wrong, I love Tanner Pearson. I think my my uh, you more than anyone. My <laughs> creepy fascination with Tanner Pearson I and his dog. I think you have a song that says I, I love Tanner Pearson. <laughs> so so when I saw the replay, I haven't watched the player safety video yet either, but I saw the replay. Uh, from the front angle, it looked 
somewhat harmless from the back angle. I could see where it looked uh, malicious and a bit dirty, but I I felt like two because the don't they always say like um, one playoff game is worth two regular season games and a regular season game is worth three preseason games or whatever the the math is. So to suspend him for the rest of the preseason, which I grant you was only two games and two regular season games. I, that seemed a bit excessive to me. Yeah, and again, I, I only saw the the gif that was tweeted out the night of the hit, but it, mm-hmm. it looked like he led with the shoulder. And I, you know, I, I like to watch those safety um, review videos because I think they really do show you, you know, what they're looking for. And I think we've gone back and forth on this before in terms of like just because a guy's injured, does that make it more legal of a hit? You know, yeah. like it's like it just doesn't make any sense to me. I know that that um, who's up the Jimmy Vesey for the. Rangers in a game over the the weekend kind of made a a quick turn and was boarded um, from behind and and there was no penalty called on that because he had put himself in a dangerous situation but I believe he's injured so it's like why you know why is there no secondary reviewer whatever so and then the fact that it's Tanner Pearson I mean like the guy just like he constantly has a smile on his face I mean yeah. if it wasn't for Tyler Toffoli we'd be like wow Tanner <laughs> Pearson is the most cheerful guy on the LA Kings you know like he's he comes in second to Toffoli so. It just seems it, but you know, like I, I think we get this every year when you see these infractions. I'm sure that the the safety committee c- committee is trying to kind of lay the groundwork for the season and get the players in the headset headspace of of not committing these infractions. And it's just sad that the tenant person. But I guess my other issue was like seeing some legitimate like freak out on Twitter today that people were concerned that the, we weren't going to have Tanner Pearson for the first two games. I mean, it's like. <laughs> A, a Pacific Division title, as we know from last season, will not be won or lost in the first three games of the season. So, I mean, I'm I'm all for him getting some extra time to spend with his dog. Yeah, <laughs> Emma. Um, yeah, <laughs> I guess. Park Madness. <laughs> that's that's right. Emma. Hashtag Frozen Fear or uh, Park Madness. Um, I mean, this is this is silly, and I don't think that it should come into uh, account when they're handing out the suspension. But the fact that they suspended him for the home opener, um, I think, for me, leads a little bit into the sort of really is it that was it that egregious a hit where you say like, if it was so serious that it needed to be three games, why not more? And otherwise, the home opener. It's I mean, it's not like it's just a regular home opener, right? It's the 50th anniversary. There's going to be a big show, so to to do that, I yeah, I'm not going to be there, Jesse. Thank you for really rubbing it in. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, neither will Tanner Pearson. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I didn't I didn't think much of it. But um, but Devin Setaguchi, as you say, uh, finds himself more and more likely to get a, at least a spot for the first month or so with uh, Gabrick injured and now Tanner Pearson suspended. Do you have any? Uh, impressions of Setaguchi from his time with the Sharks and the Wild? I mean, do you do you remember Devin Setaguchi? And Winnipeg um, and Calgary, I should say. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, he he, I think he had 30 goals or something his I don't know if it was his, technically his first season, but I think maybe his first full season yep. and and was kind of a consistent 20 goal scorer and was, was a big part of the Burns trade. I mean, I remember there was a lot of value Charlie Coyle as well um, that went over to, to Minnesota as part of the Burns trade. And I think there were a lot of people, you know, it's it's funnier now in hindsight, but um, that, that kind of second-guessed that Burns trade and losing a player like like Setaguchi. So, uh, you know, I don't know if he can be kind of a, a shadow of himself 
with with 20 goals, I mean, great. You know, I think this is a really great situation. And I mean, obviously, you know, with with the the drug abuse and and Devin Sadaguchi, the alcohol abuse has been very kind of um, open and honest about his rehab and about getting sober. And I think that's great. And I think that shows a lot how the the culture maybe of of, of pro sports is changing too, mm-hmm. where this would be something that a player would hide for fear of not being able to get a contract. And and here's you know here's the I think there was a story on on LA Kings Insider about how Rob Blake remembered his time with Setaguchi in, in San Jose and kind of reached out to him and kind of said hey you know here's a shot and maybe maybe you don't stay on with us but maybe not you're good enough to pick up with another team so it's kind of hard to root against that you know it's it's this this isn't a case of a of a player in his late 30s you know giving it one more shot you know this is a guy who's still you know, in the prime of his career, he's what, 29, you know, yep. and, and, um, I think if he's successful, be it with the Kings or, or another team or the rain, um, I think you kind of have to be, be rooting for him. And, and, uh, I, I really, I mean, it's just like, he couldn't have, I, I just could only imagine being Setaguchi's agent and, and sitting down with him and kind of looking over all of your options and your PTOs and, and, and to think that at the time you could crack, the top six for the LA Kings, and now it's looking, you know, more and more against. There's still cuts to be made. There's still um, moves to be made. I'm sure by the time this podcast comes out, all the moves will be made, and this will all be rendered moot. But um, there's a good chance that he's going to be on the opening night roster. Yeah, and you know, it's funny when they brought Blake back. Um, I know a lot of people had, uh, myself included had some issues with the fact that he had spent time in the Sharks organization. And, it's and you know, we've talked about this on the podcast before. Given how much the players change, and not even players, management and coaches, change from franchise to franchise, it's difficult sometimes to remember that it's a business and that they don't care as much as we do about the rivalries between the different teams. But reading that article about uh, bringing Setaguchi in and how Blake had spent time with him in San Jose – you get another perspective on the fact that it's it's actually probably great <laughs> that all that these <laughs> players and managers have time in different organizations. Obviously, uh, Hextall and Lombardi spent a tremendous amount of time with the Flyers organization, and that gave them some insight into you know Mike Richards and Jeff Carter, which you know helped the Kings win uh, the Stanley Cup twice. Um, you know, you have the scouting. I, I might even say that. Let Lombardi's uh, insight in the Sharks organization with Daryl Sutter might have given exactly. us some insight when it came to hiring a new coach for the Kings. No, that's a perfect example. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, you know, obviously everybody's rooting for Setaguchi as a human being. And obviously as Kings fans, we're rooting, you know, it'd be – look, it'd be uh, – if he pans out, it's a, it's one more guy taken in the first round on your team. And so, you you know – Oh, wow. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> I mean, it's – you know, he obviously was a, a very talented hockey player at one time. And I will say this, and I spoke to John Rosen about this. Um, you know, it's training camp, it's preseason, so it's difficult to assess exactly how much that success will translate into the regular season. But given that you can only play who you play against and you can only perform in the situations you're provided, he has looked he's looked exactly the way you would want someone in his position to look. Right? He he uh-huh. appears motivated. And, you know, he's giving full effort and, you know, he's got a heck of a shot. I mean, it's that certainly he hasn't lost anything off of that. And, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see um, if he can make some decisions even more difficult for the coaching staff in the next week, I guess. I mean, that's it. Next week 
is the, st- is the start of the season. <laughs> it's you know, and, and and we're also forgetting about his familiarity with the organization, Jesse. And during the the shortened season of 2012-13, he played ten games for yep. the Ontario Reign. <laughs> yep, uh, and had thirteen points. So you know, he is familiar uh, <laughs> with the with the organization. So it's uh, another benefit. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a fascinating, fascinating opening to the season. The half. Uh, is there anything else we want to cover before we let you get back to uh, city living? Oh man, I gotta I gotta check in the uh, on the Mets game, right? The, the <laughs> New York Mets. Um, yeah, I mean, are we going to completely gloss over the fact that the Edmonton Oilers uh, named Connor McDavid their captain today? I was planning on it, but I suppose we can. <laughs> I suppose we can talk about the Oilers if we must. I saw another headline today that made me lose my mind and said is this the year that the Edmonton Oilers make the playoffs? And I fought off the urge to reply, no, of course it's not. (laughs) I I don't know if you saw the the video, but they had this this kind of very dramatic, you know, because also the Oilers are moving into a new building this year. Mm -hmm. And and as someone who who has been to the old building, it is a legitimate cause of celebration for for (laughs) Edmonton Oilers fans. Like that old building was was trash upon trash upon trash. So – um, I get it. I, I totally get it. And, um, you know, I think they had this great shot of the four of them. So it, it was it was McDavid, uh, Lucic, um, Nugent Hopkins, and I don't know who the fourth um, was, the third Dry alternate. Dreisaitl maybe or something. No, I don't, no, they're not that crazy. But they kind of walk out of this dramatic. It was, you know, it was look everything in pro sports, especially in the marketing end, is choreographed, right? So they mm-hmm. they walk out of this um, elevator that op- that has the logo, and and the elevator opens, and they walk out there, and then the elevator behind them kind of starts to close, but then like a like a grocery store automated door sees something in its way and then like reopens again and it was kind of like clunky and 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 ridiculous and i just thought that was kind of symbolic to them kind of you know showcasing this changing the guard and they couldn't even get the elevator to work right here come the oilers <laughs> here come the oilers but <laughs> i mean look obviously Connor mcdavid is is a is a generational player and and you know you look at I, you know, I think the that's become the trend that probably started with with you know Mr. Eight Point Seven Sidney Crosby, and, mm-hmm. and you had um, these younger players kind of being handed the the captainship, and and I get it, they're gonna um, invest in these. Oh, I mean, they haven't yet been able to with with McDavid because he's still on his entry level, but they're gonna put these guys into seven or eight year contracts, and they want to do all that stuff. But you know, I'm, I'm really, I'm really curious to, to, to see the Oilers, but especially McDavid, because I feel like, look, the guy is an amazing hockey player, and he he showed that last season, and he showed that in the in the World Cup. But I feel more often than not, the highlights or the gifts or the vines or the videos that I see of McDavid are always him blowing past some defense with his incredible speed, but then never capitalizing. Right. Goal, right? <laughs> right. I feel like every single <laughs> gift I see is him like doing some crazy dipsy doodle move and then it's like shoots it into the goalie's chest or into the pad. So I think I need to see more of that stuff scoring goals before I can get too excited uh, about him captaining the uh, the Oilers. But man, I tell you that Milan Lucic, he is all in on Oilers. Isn't yeah, he, he is, certainly he? is. Um, look, Connor McDavid is now the youngest captain in NHL history. Um, you know, you just have to 
check Google or Twitter or Facebook and you can see all the people going crazy about it. And, and, you know, obviously we are not going to denigrate Connor McDavid. He's an incredible hockey fan. But what you said about the highlight reels is really interesting because, um, Look, Gabriel Landeskog was the the previous youngest captain in NHL history, and obviously the Avs haven't done much um, in the last few years, and neither of the <laughs> That's Oilers. An understatement. <laughs> and look, one of these days I'll be wrong, right? One of these days the Oilers will make the playoffs when I've said they haven't, and that's fine because for the last five or six years I've been right. But one of the things about um, not only Connor McDavid but a lot of young stars that I've noticed lately is most of the highlight reels don't involve slick. Uh, passing plays or them making uh, their teammates better. And I know I sound like a cranky old man when I say that, <laughs> but, <laughs> but when you look at a guy like Gretzky or Lemieux or guys like that centers, they were, you know, or even a guy like Andre Kopitar or Jonathan Taves, right? Where they're 200 foot players. It's all fine and good to be able to pull out an amazing move on your own. And and split two defenders and make a highlight reel goal and have everybody, you know, sit back in their chairs and do a slow whistle and say, my God, that kid's amazing. Um, it's another thing to show up for 82 games and four rounds of the playoffs uh, and make your teammates better <laughs> and and win something. <laughs> um, and this is not to say that Connor McDavid can't do it. This is not to say that Connor McDavid won't do it. Who knows? Maybe this is the year that I'm wrong and they actually make the playoffs and he winds up being one of the greatest captains in, in league history. But for a guy who's played 45 games in the <laughs> NHL, there sure is a lot of self-congratulating and back and uh, back patting for people who say, I told you Connor McDavid would be, would be good. It's like, yeah, we all <laughs> well, knew. I mean, we all knew he'd be yeah. really good. Like, I mean, there's just people are just in such a rush to congratulate themselves um, on being right about things that nobody ever contested. It's sort of fascinating. <laughs> um, but I mean, we don't think the Oilers are making the playoffs this year, do we? You know, I mean, I you know, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know. Calgary should be better this year. I think Vancouver is going to be the team to to not compete in the Pacific. <laughs> That's a very polite way of saying it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say I was going to say that's the bad, but I realized this is a family podcast now. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I th- I think Phoenix might surprise us with the kind of young talent, and if, uh-huh. if their goalie can have a a consistent season, but um, you know, that's a lot. It's, it, there's a lot of pressure on that team, especially after making that hall trade um, yeah. this year. You know, I, th- I think if they hadn't made the hall trade, I could easily say, ah, oh, they're not going to make the playoffs, but, but trading away a player of that caliber and Larson's nothing to, to shake your stick at, but, but he's a pretty good solid defenseman. So yeah. And don't it, you tell me it, what I can or can't shake my stick at. <laughs> and if he, uh, yeah, so I mean, yeah, I think there's a chance they'll be competitive. I mean, like, I mean, they have to, right? Like, just, no, like, it's just they like, don't. Like, <laughs> like eventually, right? Like eventually, the monkeys type the Gettysburg Address. Right? I, like eventually, I'm... <laughs> the Edmonton Oilers make the playoffs. Oh, uh, look, it was the best of times. It was the blurst of times. Um, <laughs> Simpsons reference for now, John Rosen podcast. Uh, look, the Edmonton Oilers made tremendous leaps and bounds last season by only finishing five points uh, behind <laughs> second to last in their division. Yours. Uh, uh, but look, in the Pacific, Anaheim, L.A., and San Jose. Uh, I forgot about it. San Jose, those are good teams. Yeah, like the chances of those three teams missing the playoffs seem to me to be slim. 
right? The Kings don't have Lucic, but the Kings also finished with 102 points last season and still have Carter, Kopitar, Gabrick, Toffoli, uh, Dowdy, Quick, <laughs> Muzzin. Um, so, I mean, predictions of their demise seem premature to me. San Jose made it to the Stanley Cup final last season. Anaheim has a brand new coach and, are, you know, are still multiple division winners. As you say, Arizona should be better. Calgary should be somewhat better. Okay, Edmonton may pass Vancouver because, honest to God, what is Vancouver even doing? Um, so I don't think they take a spot in the Pacific, which leaves them two wild card spots, which means that they'd have to to beat out either Dallas, St. Louis, Chicago, Nashville, Minnesota, and then you've also got Colorado and Winnipeg, who are sort of in the same position as Edmonton, only they've been more competitive more recently. So I just don't see it. I mean, Connor McDavid is good, but is he? 20 points good. I, I think it's funny that you referred to the Anaheim Ducks having a new coach. <laughs> All right. Well, a, a new old coach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, this was supposed to, you know, this is, this is how Jesse Cohn gets you for people who haven't been on the podcast he invites you in to kind of have some general <laughs> nhl talk and then all of a sudden you're predicting the pacific division and talking about <laughs> who, who's whose number is going to go up in the rafters for the la Kings. look you were the one who wanted to talk about Connor mcdavid but let's be serious in order for them to make the playoffs they have to pick up like 15 points in the standings like i said i i just don't know that Connor mcdavid is that good or, i think they're yeah and i think they're a, they're an injury i mean look i think every team is an injury to their D or goalie away from not making the playoffs. True. But I think Edmonton more than any is, is an injury to a key component of that blue line beside Adam Larson, I guess. I don't know who else is on there. I guess Clef, uh, Clefbaum or um, Andre Sakara, isn't he? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, I, I think that they're a key injury away from, from not making up those 15 points for sure. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe Lucic will chest bump them into the playoffs, but uh, I don't know. I, until they make it, I'm saying they won't, and until Detroit misses it, I'm saying they will. So that's my that's my <laughs> official nonsense prediction for this season. The half, I want to thank you for joining me. Oh, Jesse, uh, always a pleasure, and um, good night from the beautiful city uh, that they had to name it twice, New York. <laughs> <laughs> and we cannot wait to see you back in L.A. rooting for the Kings where you belong. So for the Royal... Uh, ha- you know, I kind of like the Islanders' chances this year. Get out of here. Be, uh, <laughs> might be on the Islanders' bandwagon. I, I, uh, you know, I, I root for the team that has the, the most obstructed... It's funny. I went to a, a, a couple Broadway plays last week, and, mm-hmm. and one of the plays we, we spent a little less money and got obstructed seats. And uh, I was like, yeah, this must be what it feels like to be an Islanders <laughs> fan. <laughs> They need ugh, they need a new building. Uh so for the Royal Half, my <laughs> the building's two years old. I How do they need a new building? wasn't built for hockey. <laughs> it was not the first time they've made that mistake. It probably won't be the last. But uh for the Royal Half, my name is Jesse Cohen. Thanks for listening, King Sands. We will see you in Las Vegas for Frozen Fury.